Hi, my name is Alexandria Merrill. I'm a public relations and crisis management specialist. I also help adults who are dealing with bullying, stalking, or harassment learn what I call the four C's of personal crisis management. That is to compartmentalize the attacks, cope with your emotions, combat the aggressor, and regain control over your life. Combating adult bullying, stalking, and harassment requires clarity. And whether you're facing the attacks to your personal life, your professional life, or your business, starting with correct terminology is really key. In my first episode, I talked about the definition of actionable bullying. Actionable meaning something rises to a level where authorities or even the courts might take action. Stalking is often used in modern parlance to describe following an old boyfriend on social media or setting a Google Alerts notification to let you know anytime your favorite pop star or politician or actor is in the media. But when we talk about the crime of actionable stalking, this type of social media monitoring rarely fits the criteria. The crime of stalking is generally defined as purposefully following, watching, or documenting someone over a period of time with the purpose of inflicting fear or injury. So let's break it down into the components of physical stalking. First, the actions must be purposeful. In other words, you can't accidentally stalk somebody. If you run into your ex at the movies and you both live in the same general area, it's unlikely that he or she is stalking you. If, however, you see your ex hanging around outside your work, unless you work at the same place, or he starts showing up places outside of his neighborhood where he knows you're likely to be, or he's following you in your car, this component is likely met. Second, it's generally recognized that stalking requires an action, such as following you, documenting your activities, or photographing or videotaping you. Most states have included passive behaviors such as watching you if that behavior is intended to cause you fear or distress and takes place over a prolonged period of time. So accidentally running into your ex at a restaurant where he then spends the evening staring at you is probably not stalking. If he repeatedly shows up at the same place as you and spends the evening staring at you, that can be considered actionable stalking if other criteria is met. I would add that in order to meet this component, component, the perpetrator has to deviate his or her behavior in order to follow you. So if you and your ex frequented the same sports bar before you started dating, uh, or you found a regular place as a couple, and then after you split, you both continued to go to the same place, even if his or her presence makes you feel uncomfortable, this wouldn't be considered stalking because there's no deviation of behavior. In fact, many people post-breakup become really territorial and take a kind of a why should I have to give up my favorite place just because I'm not with her anymore position. In addition, in this example, you have the ability to diffuse the situation by avoiding your ex. This is not to say that you're responsible for someone stalking you. Stalking is a crime. But if you have to involve authorities, they would consider what actions you've taken to avoid the situation. If you are frequenting places that you know your ex is likely to be, it's harder to claim that he or she is stalking you. If, however, you are continuing a routine that did not previously involve the perpetrator, and all of a sudden he or she starts showing up, this can be a cause for alarm. If you notice the perpetrator at your gym class, or dance class, or church, or workplace, or your kid's school, really anywhere where he or she knows that you're likely to be found, but it's also a place where the perpetrator didn't previously frequent, you should start documenting, and we'll talk more about documentation later in this episode. The third component to actionable physical stalking is that the stalking behavior must occur over a period of time. Generally, this means that behavior must occur over an extended and what might to the target feel like an unreasonably long period of time. 
This is in part to differentiate actionable, actual stalking from behavior that could be characterized as called what's called passing fancy following. Passing fancy following is a term used to describe a brief infatuation that may include some aspects of stalking, but doesn't rise to meet the actionable level. If for the first week after breakup, you keep running into your ex, even in places where he isn't expected, it's unlikely to rise to the level of actionable stalking. Your ex may hope to run into you and rekindle a relationship. He may hope to run into you to show off a new girlfriend in order to elicit a response of jealousy or anger. He may simply be grieving and wants to do this in places where he know, knew that you spent happier times. No matter the goal, passing fancy following doesn't last long, as the perpetrator generally gets bored and moves on with their lives. Passing fancy following does not include aggressive behavior, intimidation, or threats. Even if the perpetrator wouldn't be charged under an anti-stalking law due to not meeting a length of time component, intimidation, bullying, harassment, and or physical uh, or emotional abuse can be prosecuted under other appropriate statutes. Finally, most states have an intent component to anti-stalking laws. That means that there has to be an intent on the part of the perpetrator to cause distress uh, or inflict emotional or physical harm on the target. So if your ex continues to show up at places where you go and it's clear that his actions uh, are intent on making you feel intimidated or to intimidate the people with you, a new partner, uh, family members, your children, this behavior would fit the legal definition of actionable stalking. However, many states have expanded the intent requirement to include unwanted attention. This is a really important addition since prior to the new anti-stalking laws, a perpetrator could hang around outside a target's home or workplace, send love letters, make repeated phone calls, send gifts, all sorts of perfectly legal activity. But if the target had made it clear that the attention was unwanted and it continued, there was really little that the police could do. The law now assumes that if the target makes it clear that the attention is unwanted, the perpetrator who continues the behavior does so with the knowledge and intent to cause distress. In addition, behavior that a reasonable person would consider distre distressing is also included in this component of intent, even if the target doesn't expressly state that the attention is unwanted. So if a per perpetrator sends a target a string of hate letters or dead flowers, behavior that would be deemed unwanted by a reasonable person, the anti-stalking laws still apply. While I've focused on ex-stalking a target physically, coworkers, former friends, casual acquaintances, even complete strangers can be physical stalkers. We also tend to think of stalkers as angry, jilted exes or jealous former friends, but seemingly happy spouses, family members, friends, and coworkers can be stalkers as well. Sometimes it starts as a way that the perpetrator can keep tabs on the target, but ultimately stalking is about control. If you're seeing the same person again and again in unlikely, in unlikely places or you're receiving unwanted attention, you should start documenting your interactions. Of course, thanks to the internet, stalking no longer requires a perpetrator to physically follow their target. Cyberstalking is one of the fastest growing crimes in the world. Like physical stalking, cyberstalking is defined as purposefully following, watching, or documenting someone over a period of time with the purpose of inflicting fear or injury. The chief difference is in the stalking methodology and the ways that the perpetrator incites fear. As in physical stalking, you can't accidentally cyberstalk someone. A perpetrator must be deliberate and purposeful in their activity. Cyber or online stalkers have many tools at their disposal to facilitate hunting their target. 
They can follow the target's online activities through monitoring social media posts or other internet activity. They can gather information through database information gathering. They can also use password hacks or keyloggers to gain access to the target's emails or actual computer. Many cyberstalkers also employ stealth methods of stalking. By creating fake identities on Facebook, LinkedIn, or other share-based social media, a stalker can actually befriend the target and, in gain, uh, and gain information directly without the target even being aware. While physical stalking requires that the behavior happens over an extended period of time, with cyberstalking, the component can be viewed as a number of occurrences rather than a period of days or weeks. So if a cyberstalker follows you on social media, creates fake accounts to interact with you, or hacks your email, in many jurisdictions, each return to those information outlets will count as an occurrence. Of course, no matter the length of time the stalking takes place or the methods implemented, actionable stalking requires an intent to distress, incite fear in the target, or to harm them in some way. Similar to bullying, this can involve the threat of physical or sexual assault or the threat to expose some real or manufactured information that's likely to damage a person's relationships or reputation. Cyberstalkers often use the internet to incite fear or intimidate their victim, and I'll talk more about cyberstalking and the methodologies used in an upcoming episode. In addition, like bullying, stalking isn't an exclusive crime. Stalking can lead to or even be a component of a larger bullying or harassment campaign, physical or sexual assault, vandalism, even murder. I also want to point out that many people who get caught up in hunting or stalking someone attempt to justify their behavior as the need to know, as in, I need to know if he was cheating on me or I need to know if she's still using drugs. The law, however, doesn't recognize a perpetrator's perceived need to know as defense to physical stalking or cyberstalking. No matter how much a person may want to know something, there's not a right to violate someone else's privacy in order to find out. So we've talked about the legal requirements for actionable stalking. Let's talk really quickly about what does not constitute actionable stalking. Looking up someone on social media. There is a huge difference between looking up an ex or a current love interest, a friend, a coworker, or an acquaintance on social media and stalking them. Remember, stalking requires the perpetrator to follow or monitor the target with the intent to intimidate, cause fear or distress, or to gather information that will be used in some other crime like bullying or assault. If you're concerned about someone following you on social media, you can update your privacy settings and take more care about the type of things that you post. Um, number two is common location. If you share a common location, either a neighborhood, workplace, school, or hangout spot like a, a bar or a gym, uh, if you share that common location with someone, that doesn't mean that they're stalking you. They may simply be your neighbor. If you think that someone may be stalking you, try new places. Alter your routine. If the person causing you concern starts to show up at your new places or alters their routine to match yours, then you should start documenting. Uh, and three, unwanted attention that's limited. Unwanted attention can rise to a level of actionable stalking if it occurs over a prolonged period of time after you've made it clear that you are uninterested or if the attention is clearly designed to cause distress. However, if someone asks you out or tries to flirt with you, tries to give you flowers or a gift, even if you aren't interested, those actions alone don't constitute stalking. It may simply be that the person is interested in you. Be flattered, be polite, and move on. Of course, if the attention is persistent, becomes aggressive, then document. Sometimes innocent behavior can become more dangerous if unbalanced people are challenged or rejected. If in reviewing your situation you find that the activities of the perpetrator do rise to a level of actionable stalking, your next step is to document. 
You can create a document log by noting the time and date and place of stocking activity, as well as the details. I'll post more documentation episodes shortly. I hope this has been really helpful in identifying actionable stalking behavior. In my next few episodes, I'm going to discuss actionable harassment and hate campaigns, revenge reviews, and workplace bullying. I will also start answering questions. So if you're struggling with stalking, bullying, harassment, or hate campaigns as an individual, a professional, or a business, connect with me on social media. Details are in the bio. I'll try to offer you some actionable advice. Thank you for being part of this episode. If you're being stalked or bullied personally, or if your business is being targeted by a shame campaign, you can find resources, workshops, and consultation-based assistance at my website, which is www.alexandriamerrill.com. Thank you for being part of this episode. Please remember, you don't have to suffer in silence. Together, we can fix this.